Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this week is the episode where I have generously hauled myself out of my sick bed because I care about all of you in the audience so very much. Think of me as a sacrificing mother who puts my own needs second to yours to bring you hot, fresh bullshit, even when I'm at death's door. I'm not actually at death's door. I am sick, though. And I got a grocery store story for you, except it's at the deli. I haven't given you a grocery store story in a while, so here we go. So um, we go over, Kevin and I go over to get lunch at the sandwich shop. And we're standing around and waiting. Take a look at this picture of their menu board. It says, please be patient and kind to our staff during these unprecedented times. Well, they have a lot of nerve businesses these days. A lot of freaking nerve. This isn't just a little handwritten legend they put on there. They had the sign company actually put that on there. This is new normal. I know that, I know that some of you will say, um... Well, you know, they're just doing it because people are rude and they want... Yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, that's not just why they're doing it. Um, This is... Customer hostility is new normal. Uh, It may not be in your area, but it certainly is in my area. Um, They take it upon themselves to instruct you. I see it at doctor's offices, too. There will be no rude speech directed to our staff, blah, 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 blah. They're literally talking to adults like we're children, and they reserve the right to be as surly as they want back to us. So the power relationship has been reversed. New normal is you are the bitch of your food server. As we're standing there waiting, we saw more new normal. You're going to recognize this behavior, some of you. We're walking along the street with our sandwiches to come back here, and I was telling Kevin about the fact that, you know, over the past 10 to 15 years, it has become normal now for people to walk down the street with headphones, you know, earbuds so small you can't, and they appear to be talking to nobody. They all look and sound exactly like schizophrenics used to before cell phones, but people just talk to disembodied people out on the street gesticulating. You can see it in their eyes. You can see in their eyes that they're seeing that person on the other end of the phone line. They're not seeing the fact that they're on Church Street in Burlington. It's amazing. Fine. I mean, I think, I think, it's, I think it's not great behavior, but it isn't the worst thing in the world. Check this out. That, uh, and I apologize for this. I apologize for the poor quality of that video. It came from my phone that has a physically damaged lens, so it's a little bit blurry. That guy, uh, for those of you listening, he's not just taking a phone call in the lobby of this deli. He's taking FaceTime. He's got his baby mama. Yeah, I know it was his baby mama because I could hear their conversation. (laughs) Talking to this woman on video taking up the entire lobby. Did you see him walking back and forth? We all had to stand around the perimeter and pretend we didn't hear it because Sir decided he was in his living room. And if you think for one moment that he doesn't get away with this more than other people because he's black, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. You know it's true. (sighs) Excuse me. So what are we going to talk about this week? Trans, trans, and trans. Yep, that's right. Tucker Carlson. I want to show you some clips from his show this week. He's really burning it up. He is what he actually, I think he is the only honest American commentator on on a large mainstream network these days. This is not the man that I thought he was when I was a reflexive liberal and I hated Tucker Carlson. And I'm doing the air quotes, the bunny quotes, because... I'd never listened to Tucker Carlson any more than I listened to Rush Limbaugh. The only things I'd ever heard were the carefully selected, out-of-context, most outrageous statements that um, outlets like Media Matters published. That was my received opinion. He's a bad guy. No, he's not. He's actually a very decent man, unless he's completely acting and is horrible in his personal life, and I don't think he is. Um, And what I really like about what Tucker's doing these days, he is seeing that... 
the problem that besets our society is narcissism. Take a listen to this first clip. A form of that is still happening today, but the roles have been inverted. In America's new religion, the victims are not the children who died in Nashville. The victim is the woman who killed them. Because Audrey Hale called herself transgender, she was, by definition, a holy martyr. Watch this pastor in a formerly Christian church compare Audrey Hale to Jesus. Leaders were looking for any excuse, valid or not, to crucify Jesus. And they found that reason. It's baffling to me that someone's existence can be so threatening that people decide they need to be controlled, that they need to have laws made against them, or even worse, that the people that they find to be so threatening should die. Yeah. Um, about these Tucker clips, too, there are a few glitches in them, so um, we're aware of that. Sorry about it. Those of you who couldn't see, this was uh, almost certainly a Unitarian minister, but it could have been the Episcopal Church. It could have been uh, the Methodists. They, so many of these Protestant sects have gone woke. Um, she is what you would expect, a fat, early to mid-30s, lesbian-looking woman with a lesbian haircut, the undercut, you know, the shaved sides, with a, a stole in, in fuchsia lavender. You know, it's exactly who you think it is. Yeah. People are so afraid of them that they have to make laws against them or even want them dead. She says with a straight face, with a straight face, as she's talking about the transgender psychopath, Audrey Hale, who was the murderer. Reversal. We're going to do everything today is reversals. I know it is on almost every show, but everything today is reversals. Um, and, and Tucker has been talking about these people um, rejecting God, but making themselves God. And he's right about that. I'm not a believer myself, but the dynamic is that is exactly what's happening. I've talked about this on the show before, and this is the connection to cluster B, to personality deformation, to narcissism, to, to a broken ego structure. I said before that my mother created herself God in her own image before her children. And that is exactly what she did. She said that she wanted her children to respect her, but she did not want respect. She wanted to be worshipped. And when I, I said that maybe a year and a half ago on, on one of the shows I did here, and I thought about it afterwards, and I said, you know, I wonder if people are going to think you're exaggerating about that, because I think that a lot. Um, but I think, I think people see it now. I think most people or more people can see that this is actually what's happening. These people, these woke activists, these, this preacher, all the people in mainstream media who are um, talking about how it's the transgender community who's in fear this, this week after one of their own murdered three children and three adults, they have created themselves God in their own image, and they do wish to be worshipped. They don't just want to pee. They don't want the same rights everybody else has. This is a lie. They are directly lying, and they know they're lying. They want you to worship them. Welcome to my mother's home. Tucker says the government is giving the wrong message to trans extremists. Let's roll that one, please, Kevin. So Audrey Hale's very existence as a transgender person was so threatening to authorities that they killed her, just as the Pharisees killed Jesus. Her death had nothing to do with the fact she just murdered six people. That was the pastor's sermon at St. Mark's in Fargo. So it's pretty clear that St. Mark's Lutheran Church is no longer a Christian church. So what is it now? Well, it's a transgenderist church, one of many. Transgenderism is this country's priestess growing religion. Like many faiths, its theology features a supernatural transfiguration, the moment a person is transmogrified from one sex to another. Converts to this faith abandon their old lives and embrace an entirely new, new Former identities no longer exist, they're dead names. But here's one big difference. Transgenderists do not believe in the God of monotheism. They believe that they themselves are God with the power to control nature. And if you think about it, this should be a concern because it's a recipe for extremism. People who believe that they're God tend to react very badly when told that they're not. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't think he, he did it in this segment, but I have been hearing the word narcissism out of Tucker Carlson's mouth. I've heard it at least three or four times this past week. Tucker, 
if you're listening, I know, <laughs> fat chance, thank you. This matters. This really, really matters. I am so pleased to start seeing an influential mainstream person talk about this problem. That's why Kevin and I started this show. And we can't do what somebody like like you can do, Tucker. Um, but you are doing a service to people. This is the sickness that besets our society. Um, and he's right that – I think he's right to, to talk about this in religious terms. Um, when these people find out they're not God or when they're told they're not God, they find it absolutely intolerable. That's where the tantrums and the screaming come from. That's where the ridiculous, warped, reversed accusations come from. They're just spinning out. I mean, they're decompensating. They're decompensating because somebody has pulled their narcissistic self mask off and said, I can see you beneath that. Um, now, I can't so – again, forgive me, folks. My brain is not how it usually um, – I can't even make words. I swear to God. Uh, there was a thwarted shooting that would have happened in Colorado this past week. Another troon, another trans person. And, you know, it just occurs to me right now. A lot of discussion last week, um, people arguing over whether the Nashville police or the FBI should release the uh, Audrey Hale, the shooter in Nashville, Tennessee, if they should release the manifesto that she wrote. Lots of people are arguing pro and con over it. And some of the people who say it shouldn't be released have said it will only inspire copycats. Um, well, it doesn't require the release of the manifesto to inspire copycats. Okay, This is not something you can stop. Nobody, none of you listening right now, you can't stop this. You will never be able to stop it. That's not a goal that you can satisfy, right? Uh, because we almost had a copycat anyway. The details that I'm going to share with you are coming from a newspaper called The Gazette in Colorado Springs. <clears throat> and we'll look at, uh, take a look at uh, William Whitworth. This is his mugshot. What you see is a 17-year-old trying to be a woman but is a man, um, Morbidly obese, as many of them are, um, because, again, morbid obesity is a way to cover up uh, secondary sex characteristics. Um, this is all trauma shit. It's all trauma. Uh, he's going by Lily. Lily. Okay. So here are the facts as the media has reported them so far. 17 years old. He was arrested on March 31st. He's a former student of Timberview Middle School, which he planned to shoot up. Deputies, sheriff's deputies, found Whitworth at home lying in bed drunk in a room piled up with trash. He was in a hoarder's squalor, holes punched in the walls. He's charged with two counts of attempted first-degree murder, menacing, criminal mischief, interference with staff, faculty, and students of educational institutions, and he is being held on a $75,000 bond. Now, here are some details that are even more interesting from the TV station KRDO. One of, to me, one of the most disturbing things about this report is how William Whitworth's sister, and I, I don't know this, but I am assuming she's also a teen, or perhaps even younger. I suppose it's possible that she's older. His sister, an actual woman, made a 911 call because she was afraid of him. And during that 911 call, remember, she's asking for officers to come to the house to quell a dangerous situation. That's the purpose of a 911 call. She told the 911 dispatcher that her sister was menacing her, that she was afraid of her sister. I don't want to blame her too much because I can see, well, this is clearly a family that was raised in trauma, no doubt. And I understand the pressure that people are under, but this is sick. This is sick and it's scary. She didn't mean to do this. I'm not accusing her, but the actual effect of what she did, she, she gave false information and she led officers responding to a dangerous scene to believe that they would be encountering a woman. Do you see the danger here? Yeah didn't turn out badly this time, but it definitely could have. This woman was in fear for her life, and even in extremis, even in extremis, she said, my sister. 
cult, not cult-like, actual cult. Look how deep the brainwashing goes. Here's the 911 dispatcher's notes. These are, uh, what you see on your screen was transcribed with the errors as they appear in the original. <clears throat> now, uh, sister just made a violent approach to reporting party. The, the actual sister, the actual woman is the reporting party. The sister is William Whitworth. Sister, William Whitworth, threatened to shoot up a school. Sister, William Whitworth, has anger issues. Sister, William Whitworth, made comments day before yesterday referring to the school shooting. I'm going to read to you from KRDO's story. During the initial interaction with Whitworth, deputies noted she made suicidal statements. According to the affidavit, Whitworth also said she was, quote, a little drunk and swayed back and forth while walking down the hallway out of the bedroom. Well, at that weight, I shouldn't wonder. While waiting for the fire department, Whitworth was asked how much she had how much she had been planning the school shooting. She stated she was about a third of the way from doing it, verifying again that Timberview Middle School was one of the main targets currently targeting and and other targets included churches. Here, here's, an, here's another quote. On the dry erase board, investigators noticed it looked like a labeled floor plan of a school with labels identifying the office, bathrooms, classrooms, and the different levels. Next one. In two different notebooks, deputies found more floor plans, a drawing of a clock to use with a detonation device stating, remove clock internals and drive a screw into the desired detonation time in the face of the clock. Ooh. Next one. Ah, listen to this. Deputies obtained a search warrant of the home and found The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels and more books with notes. Written inside one book was Ways I Want to Die with a list stating murder, burning alive, freezing, and drowning. And they also found in this manifesto slash notebook uh, a, a strange list of some of them school shooters, killers, some of them perhaps targets that this young man wanted to, to go after. So here it is as it appeared um, in the police report. Eric and Dylan, uh, uh, Dylan Klebold, I, what was his name? I think it was Eric Harris, the shooters at Columbine. Eric and Dylan, losers. Adam Lanza, too smart. Israel Keys, Israel Keys was a psychopath serial killer. Degenerate. Well, he got that right. Lauren Southern, commentator Lauren Southern, pathetic. Vouch, commentator, terrorist. Donald J. J. Trump, con man. <laughs> mm, sorry. Bad cops are useless garbage. Stockholm, common name, Leah K. Liam K. This is getting into schizoid territory. Um, I don't know if we're going to know this stuff, but you remember when we've talked about this on the show before that you will almost never find a normal and stable home life in the background of any of these killers. Almost every single time. And not just school shooters, but serial killers and spree killers generally. I mean, I consume 16 megatons of true crime and have for a long time. This pattern is absolutely real. It's known in academic criminology. It's not made up. It's not a stereotype. It's true. Almost always single mother household. Uh, and if not a weak father or a violent father, almost always cluster be running through that family. I mean, we've got, you know, where are mom and dad in this whole thing? Nobody's mentioned them. I don't know. That's it for the opening. Come back after the break. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. back. Housekeeping. Be sure you are subscribed to our audio only 
edition on your podcast app. It doesn't come out on YouTube because this past week we've got a bang up part one of a conversation with therapist Stephanie Wynn, who is a non-woke actual therapist who is uh, promoting a really gripping documentary called Affirmation Generation about transitioners and detransitioners. Part one came out last week. Part two on audio will be out tomorrow, Monday. So uh, click that subscribe uh, so you download it and so that our numbers go up and advertisers like us more. Thank you. I want to talk about trans parents, parents of trans kids a little bit differently in this segment. And I'm going to be using articles from a Substack site that some of you may be familiar with. It's called Parents with Inconvenient Truths About Trans, or PITT, P-I-T-T. Um, I have some criticism of some articles. I don't have a global criticism. I am not trying to bring these people low. I understand these parents are suffering. And they do need a watering hole online where they can talk to each other and get support. I understand that. Unfortunately, I've been reading that site for a while. And unfortunately, I believe that it is tilting more toward unhelpful mutual flattery of parents to soothe their egos and excuse them of responsibility for things that they're actually responsible for. And I'm not saying that they're evil people. I'm not saying they're bad people. And I'm not even necessarily saying they're personality disordered people. I've seen this happen in, in support forums before. It's happened in support forums for children of abusive parents that I've been a participant in. Um, here's what I mean. Um, this article... Um, here's what Pitt looks like. Parents uh, with Inconvenient Truths about trans. Um, there's a lot of grief that gets shared in these articles, a lot of justified anger at doctors, uh, social workers, school systems. But there's also a lot of holding parents themselves absolutely blameless. There's lots of I'm a victim and very little taking of responsibility by the parents. There's also a lot of lesbian feminist parenting advice that gets talked about as if it were sensible, but it isn't sensible. Um, but it also gets talked about, you know, I raised my kid to be, you know, gender neutral. I didn't uh, control what my child played with. And all of these things sound fine on the surface, and they're things that I endorse too, and I've, I've said so. But... It's not just that. It's this whole, well, my child will decide this. My child will decide that. I, I, I am learning from my child. It's a, very, it's a very lesbian feminist kind of approach. And yeah, I am saying, pit lesbian parents, I think your parenting did help soften your daughters up for this. Yes. I know. I know. I've commented there a few times. And I see the vicious emotional reaction that that gets. And I understand that reaction. But it's also true. I'm not telling you you're a horrible person. But I am telling you you made some mistakes, I think. And I think you actually do have a duty to take responsibility for it. The site features a lot of anonymous authors. Um, let's just, let's just, I've picked two. Let's get into them. The first one is called Duct tape. Here's the summary. Young adult son is being talked about, and he insists on transing. Um, and the mother, the author of the article, refuses to sell. She refuses to tell her son the truth about this because she's claiming that if she does that, it will only make him trans harder. This is an example of the kind of advice that is horrible. This belief is absolutely destructive. It is so wrong. It is unbelievably wrong. It could not be more incorrect than it is. And yet many of them believe it. They really do believe it. I don't know where this idea came from, but it is absolute nonsense. And it's helping. It's helping keep these kids in the trans indoctrination. Yes, I am saying that by doing this, you're making it worse, even though you claim that you want to make it better. I'll give you an example. Quote, Despite prolonged effort, this is not um, one of our visuals, Kevin. I'm just reading this. D 
Despite prolonged effort, my husband and I were not able to help our young adult son find his way out of the trans cult. He believes the lie that he is a she and always has been, that wrong sex hormones are magic pills, and that this absurdity paves the path to his well-being. It's like my son tied himself to a train track, euphoric about the trans train that harms him. It feels like my mouth is sealed by duct tape, which I resist peeling off to implore my son again with reasons to desist. Even the most cogent guidance could prompt my son to tie more ropes around his deteriorating body on the train track. I do not tell him how unconvincing he looks as a faux woman, as this could be a catalyst for mutilating surgery. Also, estrangement could be more likely. Did you hear that? Even the most cogent guidance could prompt my son to tie more ropes around his deteriorating body. How do you know this, ma'am? Who told you this? And again, how do you know this? I know you think you know it. But why do you think you know that? Why does that make sense to you? Again, who told you? Whose advice are you taking? Because I know you are. Why does this make sense to you? Every other person in your son's life is affirming him and lying to him the way you say you will not lie to him. They're telling him he looks like a woman. They're telling him he's beautiful. They're telling him he always has been a woman. You know that isn't true. Everyone else in his life is telling him, yet you say that if you, his mother, who loves him more than anyone, if you push back even a little, that it will only make him trans more. Why do you believe this? I think it, what it really has to do with is what you said last. Also, estrangement would be more likely. This is about you. It is understandable, human, normal, and natural for you as a mother to be terrified of being estranged from your son. I am not criticizing you for that. What I'm criticizing you for is... That is not the topmost priority. And if you make it the topmost priority, next time we talk about this, I'm going to bring up the narcissism word. Suck it up, lady. Save your son. So you refuse to tell him the truth. You, his mother, you refuse to do your loving duty. And it is your duty. It is your moral duty. Yes, it is. You refuse to risk his anger by telling him truth that he's not hearing from anyone else in the world. How does this make sense to you? Your fear of estrangement has overridden your sense of moral duty and you are failing as a parent in this approach. You're helping ensure that he stays there. Let's do some more, more quotes from this. Underneath the duct tape is an avalanche of truth. This is what I yearn to share. After taking hormones, your appearance has diminished. Weight gain, unflattering clothes, and gynecomastia. That is, um, I'm breaking in, gynecomastia is males growing breast tissue. Your anxiety persists and you've added depression and fatigue on top of that. You were healthier and more balanced just a few years ago in high school. Next one. HRT, hormone replacement therapy, destroys sexual function and increases the likelihood of heart attack, blood clots, stroke, and dementia. You have likely sacrificed your fertility, but you could restore sexual function and sidestep health risks if you stop wrong sex hormones. You are being manipulated and treated cruelly by people who are duping you to believe you can change your sex, and these people pad their bank account with you as a lifelong medical patient. Yeah, mama, you're right. You're right. And yet you say your mouth is sealed. No. Quote, you are, being treat you are also being treated badly by everyone, including those you think of as friends, who sanction putting dangerous hormones into the, once healthy, the one healthy body you will ever have. People who seem accepting of your transition when you present yourself in the world are not fooled, and they likely feel sorry for you. Madam, you are right about everything you say. You are right to be upset. You are right to be scared, confused, and angry. But you are failing as a parent. I know he's an adult, and I know that you can't control him legally. You are still ethically failing as a parent. You, you, madam, not anyone else, 
you put that duct tape on your mouth and you know that you did it. And you are the only one who can remove it. No one is holding you down. No one's holding the tape on your face. I, I see your implication, but these are chains you put yourself in. You are responsible. Not the bad doctors, not his bad friends, you. I know that hurts to hear, and it sounds confrontational, and I do not say it to be cruel. I do actually have empathy and sympathy for people like this. But you know what? You need to hurt a little. You need to feel an emotional face slap because you need to wake the fuck up. Yeah. Your husband won't tell you this, I can tell, because you wouldn't be married to a man who, will tell, who would say no to you. I can tell from the way you talk. So I'm going to tell you, wake up. You need to get your ego wounded a little bit is what you need. If you want to help him, you have to stop being a modern milk toast mommy. You have to stop this. Here's another example, different story. This one's called Journey to Acceptance. And it's already off to a bad start when we're talking about journeys and acceptance. Here's the setup. I'll read to you a little from the article. In a previous article I wrote for Pitt, I talked about some of the difficulties of living with a partner and two children who have bought into the current gender narrative that is sweeping the world while I stand firmly in the knowing <laughs> that only men have penises and only women can get pregnant. I ended that piece with this. Staying together and connected in loving and supportive relationships is perhaps the greatest fuck you to the current system trying to tear us apart. So that's the focus here, staying together. What will it take in this relationship to stay together? This woman and her lesbian partner and their two children. Lesbian partner and the two children all believe in the trans. This woman doesn't. She asks how to stay together as a loving, thriving family is the topic of this piece. These are some of the ways I am working to shift my perspective and reconnect with the people who matter most to me. So she says, At first I thought that if I could just get my wife, and by extension my children, to see the craziness of engaging in magical thinking that men can menstruate and women can have beards, they would come around to my way of thinking and we would all live happily ever after. That hasn't gone well little more. Not, don't look on your screen. I'm just going to read for you. I've known for a long time that trying to change anyone or anything else is futile. I certainly don't want anyone else to try to change me. So why would I think that I could or should try to change anyone else? The only thing in the world that I have the slightest bit of control over is my own mind, my thoughts, the way I respond and relate to the world around me, regardless of what anyone says or thinks or does. Knowing the truth of that and practicing it are two different things, and the universe has handed me the ideal situation to put my money where my mouth is. And this is where she really starts to go off the rails. Quote, it would be so easy to see my family's differing perspectives as wrong or bad. Setting up a dialectic of they're wrong and I'm right won't help us, though. There's a saying, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? In this case, I would rather be happy. You see where this is going, right? You see the bullshit. You see the self-hypnosis that she's practicing because that's what this is. You'd rather be happy than right. That's a false choice. That's a false binary. And it's an echo of something I bet you've heard. Do you want a trans kid or a dead kid? Yeah, it's the same thing. And you're replicating it. Again, just like the prior author, you, only you, ma'am, are doing this. No one's forcing you to do this. Do you want a genuine loving family that lives in truth? Or are you willing to live in a lie? for an illusion that you call happiness and that you congratulate yourself on for capitulating to emotional abuse and lying? Is that happiness? Next one, quote, trying to logically and rationally explain basic factual human biology to people captured in the gender cult is just tilting at windmills, a waste of precious time and energy. It's, instead, I need to switch my focus to connecting with my wife in the places we agree. 
Well, that's true as far as it goes. You can't reason people back who got where they got by emotion. But should you just give up? You think you can distract from this by talking about quilting or nature hikes or your shared love of celestial seasonings, tea, cargo shorts, and too many dogs? Because that's how lesbians solve everything, right? How will that carry forward as time goes on in your relationship? More from the article. I also need to spend time relating with my children in all the myriad ways that aren't about gender. The gender divide seems so black and white these days. And while most of us may grudgingly agree that there are many shades of gray between the black and white, the truth is that we are polychromatic beings with a huge palette of colors to paint with and talk about and relate to. I can explore an abundance of ways to relate to my children in their multitude of expressions and passions and creativity. Jesus Christ. This is just wordy claptrap. It's what philosopher Daniel Dennett calls a deepity, something that sounds profound aesthetically to the ear, but it's actually empty of meaning. It's contradictory. It's like some bullshit Oprah Winfrey or Deepak Chopra would say. It's eat, pray, love. It's just eat, pray, love. Typical female bullshit. Next. My relation, this, this one yeah, you know what? I'm going to skip this one. Um, Kevin, let's go to um, let's go to quote B11. Quote, of course, I can't avoid the gender topic forever. It will come up and does so with increasing frequency as my children get older, spend more time in the small woke community we live in. Why do you f-ing live there? I hear more and more tweens and young teens who are socially transitioning and the occasional young person who is going further into medical transition. My children hear about them, too, and talk about them and have questions. My own son is tentatively exploring some of these ideas. Madam, you are going to be responsible for your kid transing. It's already happening right now in front of you. You just wrote that. But you're lying to yourself to soothe yourself. I'm, my own son is tentatively exploring some of these ideas. Oh, I guess I just better be nice about it. <laughs> Tell me more about why gay parenting is a great idea. Next one. It would be easy to dismiss their questions and say only boys and men have penises and only women can get pregnant or have periods. End of discussion. But ending the discussion so dismissively would make me unsafe for them to talk to. Yeah, I'm slipping into the voice because she's being the voice. Uh, Make me unsafe for them to talk to in the future. Shutting down conversation is never an effective way to stay connected with those we love. As the saying goes, I need to get curious, not furious. Shut up. No, no. You are mischaracterizing the truth as dismissive in and of itself. You claim that you want to affect an open attitude, but you actually aren't telling the truth. You're, co- you're collaborating with lies. You're not calling bullshit bullshit. Do you want to actively love your children, then you need to tell your children that transgenderism is not real. You can have as many conversations and answer as many of their questions as you want, but you cannot compromise on the truth and come out of this whole and healthy. Right now, you, ma'am, you are a force that is pushing your children to transition actively. Yes, I know you hate me. I know you do. You are going to be one of the responsible parties when your children trans, mommy. This gentle lesbian crap is poison. It's lying, and it's lying with that particularly feminine lesbian therapy ethos. It's not therapy. It's Oprah bullshit, and and it's the kind that lesbians have always indulged in. All right, we're going to take a break, but I want to remind you... Please subscribe and pay us money because mommy needs some cold medicine and you wouldn't want to let me down, would you? I do actually need some cold medicine. We would love to have your support. Will you please help us keep doing this and grow? There's two ways to do it. Go to disaffectedpod.substack.com and sign up as a paid subscriber or go to subscribestar.com slash disaffected and do the same. What, what do you get? Well, you get an invitation to our private Discord chat server. We've got more than 340 people in there right now and you get to say words like retard without being banned. <laughs> you also get access to all of our premium written content on Substack that only paid subscribers get. And you get invitations to our video hangouts with me and one of these days, Kevin. 
So we'll see you after the break to close up the show. For a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Do you need somebody to talk to? You can talk to me. I do one-hour coaching and consulting sessions for people at joshuaslocum.net. You can book a one-hour session. Got plenty of time this week. I think I'm going to be in my bed a lot. Oh, that doesn't sound very professional. You don't want to talk to me when I'm in my bed. Um, while I do specialize in helping people who believe that they're in situations with narcissists, borderlines, and other people with cluster B personality disorders, that's not, we're not restricted to talking about that. I have talked to teachers, college professors, um, dads, moms, children, adult children. We've talked about whether to make a career transition, what to do in office politics when it looks like one of your bosses is a narcissist who has it out for you, how to cut the cord with parents who are still trying to insinuate themselves into your life even when they exploit you, how to make sure that they don't infect your children. These are all topics that come up with people. You don't have to be certain about what's wrong with your father or your mother. You don't have to decide that they have a particular personality disorder. What you get when we talk is hopefully a better understanding of the actual situation you're in. What are the psychological dynamics? What are the other people that you're dealing with probably thinking and feeling? What realistic options do you have? And what are the likely consequences of those? And it's up to you to decide which one to take, but I can help you identify them. So if you're interested, I'd love to talk to you. Please visit joshuaslocum.net. All right, to close this up, um, saw an article from the Frontline COVID Care, COVID Critical Care Alliance. Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance. This is a group of doctors who went against the mainstream and um, uh, promoted um, alternatives to the vaccine. Um, you know what? I'm I'm talking around these words. This is insane. But three years on, I'm actually afraid if I say the word of these medicines that YouTube will bleep us out. That's that's how insane our world is. This one is titled "How Can We Help the COVID Holdouts?" I'll give you an intro. Anyone who was around in the 1970s knows about Patty Hearst, the publishing industry heiress who was kidnapped at gunpoint by a one-hit wonder guerrilla terrorist group known as the Symbionese Liberation Army. During her captivity, Hearst was blindfolded, raped, threatened with death, and kept for weeks in a closet. Hearst later testified that she had been offered a choice of being released or joining the Symbionese Liberation Army. Strangely, to people who've never been kidnapped, I suppose, she chose the latter. That is, she chose to join them. Hearst went on a notorious crime bender, participating in the making of explosives that were used in two attempts to kill police officers and, at one point, armed with an assault rifle, robbing a San Francisco bank alongside another SLA soldier. A grand jury later indicted her for the holdup. Her story was both sensational and unfathomable. How and why would a hostage not only sympathize or cooperate with her brutal captors, but refuse an offer of release and then join them in criminal activity? The answer is Stockholm Syndrome, a psychological term coined after hostages were taken in in a six-day-long bank siege in Stockholm, Sweden in August 1973. It's a phenomenon whereby a victim not only warms to his or her abusers, but willingly joins their ranks. It's defense mechanism, a survival strategy. Yes. Do you know where else we've seen Stockholm Syndrome? 
I've talked about this on the show with my mother and her husband. If you have not read uh, my recent three-part piece on Substack um, and you're interested in this, check it out. It's published within the past two weeks. It's three separate posts um, about the, it was the last gasp of the divorce with my mother and her husband. I published our correspondence, my letters to them and their letters back to me uh, in order to show people what gaslighting looks like, but also to show them what Stockholm syndrome looks like. And you may recall, it's been a while since I told the story on the show, but at the end there, uh, my mother was threatening her husband. She was threatening him with physical violence. She was threatening to throw, take a skillet and crack his head open. Um, and she actually did throw a skillet at him and put a big hole in the wall. I was afraid that she was going to hurt him or kill him. So I waited until she had left the house on a grocery run and I called him behind her back and I offered him an escape. My sister and I offered him an escape and he turned on us viciously and immediately and instantly. He laughed. Then he started yelling. He called me crazy. He said I was an abuser. He said my mother there was doing nothing wrong. Um, I, and, and when I turned around and I said to him, Ed, Ed, talk to me. Talk to me like a human. You know that she tried to hurt you last week. You know that she wanted to hit your head open. Why are you saying what you're saying? And he said to me, yes, he did. Your mother's not abusing me. She's just not going to take any of my shit anymore, and I don't blame her. That was it. There was no helping this man. He had Stockholm Syndrome. He still has it. He can't rescue some people. Back to the article here. Um, and the, the author is Jenna McCarthy. She says, with as much respect as I can muster, I think rock bottom is where some COVID holdouts are hanging out these days without even realizing it. I'm talking about the ones still wearing masks alone in their cars and counting down the days until their next booster. And they do exist. You see them. Next one. People experiencing Stockholm... <laughs> So I was about to make a joke. People, people of Stockholm Syndrome experience, but that's not what she's doing. <clears throat> Pardon. People experiencing Stockholm Syndrome share a handful of characteristics that might sound eerily familiar. A belief in the goodness of their abusers, negative feelings toward anyone who tries to help them or rescue them, an unwillingness to hold wrongdoers accountable for their actions, little or no effort to escape. Look how people treat Anthony Fauci, an obvious sociopath in my view. Look how they treat him as a god, as a savior. Notice how angry and nasty your friends might get when you try to help them overcome this excessive fear. They react with anger. Notice how many people are asking for amnesty for all the mistakes that were made about COVID, but not by me. They want us to forgive and forget. No effort at all to escape, none. The shocked looks, the freezing that you get when, when or that I get when I, as I occasionally do, when I say something to somebody in a parking lot. You know, the mask has never done anything to protect you, that you're safe and that you can come back to the normal world with us. Will you join us? I've said that a couple of times and actually with a very friendly tone. This is what you get. Freezing. They, st they stand stock still. They look at you with wide eyes and you can see that they, they, they're temporarily broken. They cannot. They're not processing. They don't understand what's happening. It's that unusual to them to be jarred out of the fantasy world that they're in. It doesn't take a psychology degree to see that this is abnormal psychology. These people are at least temporarily mentally unwell. It's not normal. They're not just doing their thing. Uh, a little more from the article. We all know at least one COVID holdout, and in all likelihood, we want to help them. It's worth noting that Stockholm syndrome isn't a mental disorder. It's part coping mechanism, part post-traumatic stress disorder. As such, the first step in treating it is to help victims recognize that they are in an unhealthy situation. Gentle questions such as, why do you trust companies and agencies with lengthy criminal histories? And 
do you believe that science is settled because one person says it is, can begin to pave the way to eventual enlightenment. Of course, it's possible they won't listen. Sometimes people we love are stuck in a place where gentle questioning isn't going to cut it. If you have any suggestions for facilitating or expediting the awakening process, please share them in the comments. You never know who you might help. I, I feel the way the author does. Um, I, I am, I'm honestly at a loss as to whether it's even possible to help these people. Um, I suspect for a great deal of them it is not possible that no outside force intervening can help. Maybe we can plant seeds. Maybe a gentle question because um, I know that's worked on me, and I've seen it work on other people. Some, I have had someone plant a seed in my mind about a point of view that I really needed to consider because I was actually wrong, and I wouldn't listen to them in the moment. Sometimes I reacted angrily, but I remember one specific instance where a seed was planted that blossomed eight years after my friend told me what she told me. And what she told me was about myself and about my behavior and where it was coming from. And I was very angry with her because I knew she was right and I felt insecure and scared. But eight years later, it came back to me when I was having a breakthrough in therapy. And she was right. That seed worked. You have to be patient. You have to be willing to play the long No, it's not just being willing to play the long game. This, this one's hard for me, so it might be hard for some of you. You have to be willing to never see the fruits of your labors. I have a really hard time with that. I'm very impatient. But that is the real world. You have to accept that maybe you planted a seed and you'll never see it blossom. Um, I want to now show you an example of gaslighting, real gaslighting in real time. Gaslighting, we all know the term is overused. I know some of you are probably allergic to hearing it. But as I always say on the show, just because terms have been abused, used in the wrong context, and turned against us doesn't mean they're not real. And we can't allow abusers to take our weapons away from us. So don't, don't go around saying, stop saying gaslighting. No. Gaslighting is real, and you had better twig to it because it's being done on you. This is an example. It is so brazen. This could never have happened even five years ago. This is assistant superintendent of Glendale, California schools, Kelly King. And what she's talking about are the trans accommodations and recognition of trans kids in her school. Let's roll that, please, Kevin. Uh, so this one family, it was a matter of, well, we have other schools. Which one would your child like to transfer to? Um, so, and eventually they homeschool, which understandably, um, the, where I've seen the most resistance is with our coaches. And it's interesting because for them, I think once they, once they interact with a student who's gender expansive or transgender, it takes the mystique away. And then they realize, oh, it's just a kid. Oh, it's just a boy. It's just a girl. I get it now. But until they have that personal interaction um, you know, we have male coaches who are horrified at the thought of having a biological girl changing clothes in front of them. You know, there, the stigma attached to, you know, abuse and, um, you know, just having a male teacher around any female student in that circumstance um, is just scary for them. And, you know, it's one thing for me to keep saying it's not a girl. It's not a girl. It's not a girl. You only have boys in the boys' locker room until they arrive, you know, until they experience it and realize, oh, I only have boys in the locker room. Um, then that, that helps. It's not a girl. It's not a girl. It's not a girl. Oh, now I get it. I only have boys in the locker room. Look how brazen. Look how brazen she's not even trying to hide it. That is gaslighting. She's telling you that she does it. She's not even trying to pretend she's not gaslighting. 
I just have to say it over and over and over again until they arrive, until they arrive and they realize, oh, it's not a girl. I only have boys. And if you're just listening to this, she's smiling when she says this. Disney villainess. This is a wicked person. This is an abuser, a liar, a serpent. She has more to say. Let's play it. Legalities of a student in affirming their gender identity is we do what's right for the child and for that youth. So legally, we have to have one permanent record for our kids. There's nothing in the law that says where that permanent record is kept. So for a handful of kids in my district, their permanent records in my office. It's literally next to me in a file drawer. So what we have at the school sites is a permanent record that is affirming of their name of choice, their gender identity. Everything in it is unified to who the child is and who the child wants us to know them to be. Um, And then there's a letter in it from me saying that I acknowledge that this is an incomplete student record and if there's any questions to please contact me directly. So that way we literally go into the computer system and nowhere in the computer system does it have the gender of birth or the name of birth. So, you know, we've really kind of gone out on a limb and I know that's. Yeah. Yeah. We've really kind of gone out on a limb. Amazing. She keeps the real gender record locked in her personal desk drawer. She's telling people in public on a Zoom meeting that she hides the information. She keeps it on her person or in her personal property. This is a witch. This is a witch who has built a candy cottage for Hansel and Gretel. And she is putting those children into the oven. And this is normal. She feels okay saying this in public. Are you f***ing scared enough yet? Oh, there I go again. Are you scared enough yet? How much more do you need? We're going to end with something even more frightening. Canada. (laughs) Canada's gone. There's no bringing back Canada. In fact, I'm not joking when I say this. It's not one of my funnies. I think we need to build a border wall between the U.S. and Canada. I'm not afraid of Mexico. I'm afraid of Canada. Yes, I am. Really. This is a press conference about a new proposed law in Canada to protect LGBTQ from what they call harassment. Think about the concept of freedom of expression and freedom of speech. Yes, I do realize that Canada does not have the United States Constitution. Yes. Think about those concepts when you listen to this woman who calls herself non-binary and dresses like they all do, like some sort of androgynous version of Harry Potter who was already androgynous to begin with. Firstly, it enables the Attorney General to create a 2S LGBTQI plus community safety zone to prohibit within 100 meters of the property any homophobic, transphobic act of intimidation, threat, offensive threats, offensive remarks, protest, disturbance, and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of the uh, criminal code. It also comes with it a penalty of $25,000 if prosecuted successfully. That's it. I got nothing. That's the end of the show. I'm crawling back into my casket. Thank you for bearing with me. We'll see you next week.